0: So this morning we're studying studying Genesis chapter 28, verses 10 to 22, verses 10 to 22, which is basically to the end of Genesis 28. Before we read that, we'll pray. Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we give you thanks indeed for your word, the holy scriptures. We pray, Father, that our hearts would be made meek and ready to receive this for that which it truly is, the very word of God. Our Father, I pray that you would help me as I speak that I would speak according to your wisdom and according to your will and not according to the vain imagination of man. I pray, Father, that we would be given ears that hear, eyes that see and hearts that are understanding and obedient. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 28, starting at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and went toward Haran. And he came to a certain place and stayed there that night because the sun had set. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth, and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. So early in the morning, Jacob took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. He called the name of that place Bethel. But the name of the city was Luz at the first. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat, and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house and of all that you give me I will give a full tenth to you amen and may God bless his word to us so we need to take stock of what we know of Jacob 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 up until this up until this moment Jacob the heel grasper, the um, usurper, the deceiver, Jacob, who desperately wanted to be the member of his family that carried the blessings of Abraham. But his want was not what you'd actually call pure or holy. He was willing to do anything. He was willing to um, trade Esau out of his birthright. He was willing to dress up in goat skins and his brother's clothing and lie outright to his father's face, confident in the knowledge that his father being blind would not know who was speaking to him. So we're not speaking of an admirable character here. You know, he's not candidate number one for the man of God to walk the earth for the period of his life, being the one who was, as it were, the representative of God to the whole earth. That's not the way that you would think of him. And yet he is indeed the one that God has blessed. Isaac, even though Jacob was cheating and lying, did prophetically lay the blessing of God upon Jacob and he didn't try to withdraw it. He actually blessed him a second time when he sent him out back to um, the land of Haram to seek for himself a life and a wife. The blessing of God certainly rested upon him. But, and, and so, my friends, what that might tell us, I think, is that um, God sets his favour on a person for no other reason than God chooses to set his favour upon a person. Why does God love me or why does God love any, any one of you? And the answer is because God chooses to. There, there is no other answer. We don't attract or draw down the grace of God. We don't have anything within us that just demands that God finds us to be precious and decides that he can't have heaven without us in it. There's there's nothing about your eye that recommend us to God. There was nothing about Jacob that recommended him to God. And so the word of salvation, the word of God is preached to all of mankind where it finds them. The gospel is for the drug dealer, the drug addict, and the prostitute. The gospel is for the loser, the swindler, the, the you know, the, the, the evil person, the adulterer, even the murderer. The gospel is for all of these people. And it's to be preached to them wherever it's wherever they're found. But when the gospel has its power or takes its or has its effect, When the gospel comes to life in the heart of the person, no one is left where they are. No one is left unchanged. It comes with power and that power expresses itself in repentance and lives are transformed. Well, God has set his heart upon Jacob. Jacob is God's elect representative upon the earth at this time. And it's about time that God started to deal with the heart of Jacob. And so God has started to deal with the heart of Jacob. We're told earlier that Jacob was a man of the tents, beloved of his mother. (laughs) You know, a, a dear, sweet little mummy's boy. A dear, sweet little mummy's boy. And once again, you know, think of it. I don't know if you've ever met a dear, sweet little mummy's boy, but I generally don't like that kind of person. And, um, you know, if, if a mother plays favourites in the house and the favourite is her son, well, he just has this ability to get everyone around about him in trouble. And then laugh while mum's got her back turned. Jacob, a dear, sweet little mummy's boy. And we're told that he left Beersheba and went toward Haran. He's out there in the countryside on his own. I, I'm imagining he's probably got a donkey carrying some goods, some He's got some money. He's got, he when he wanted to worship by pouring oil upon a rock, he had oil to pour upon the rock. If you're taking that long a journey and it is hundreds of miles that he's got to go, you need a fair bit to take with you. I'm imagining he has a donkey with him. Out there on his own, out there in the great big wide world without Rebecca to spoil him. And so then... The first thing that we notice as we read through the portion that's in front of us is he keeps talking, is the um, author, Moses and Jacob, they keep talking about this place. Verse 11, he came to a certain place. He took a stone of that place. He laid down in that place to sleep. When he woke up at verse 17, how awesome is this place? It's none other than the house of God. This place, this place, this place. Well, what's the significance of this place? Geographically, it's around about smack bang, the geographical centre of the promised land. So that's where it is in terms of geography. What about this idea of the presence of God? Is it a special place because... That's where God dwells. Well, God dwells throughout his creation. There's no escaping the presence of God. God doesn't even, you know, when 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 Solomon built the temple, great, enormous, beautiful temple. He said God doesn't really dwell in a house made by the hand of man. Even the heavens cannot contain him. But To Jacob, this is the place. It's the place where in providence he has first been made aware of the presence of God. Think of it. For example, right in the very act of deceiving his father Isaac, in that very act, Isaac spoke prophetically over Jacob. That requires God to have been present. Isaac can only have been speaking in the power of God's Holy Spirit. And by the power of God's Holy Spirit, the blessing being spoken prophetically by Isaac is being affixed to the person of Jacob. And yet it seems that up until this moment, Jacob himself has never been aware of the presence of God. My friends, we're always in the presence of God. We're never not in the presence of God. God is omnipresent. So what is meant when we say something like the Lord is close, the Lord is near, I, 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 had, this, I had this time of worship, I had this time of prayer when I, I, I just, it, it, it was as though God himself were in the room. What do we mean? Well, what we're really meaning is that at that time and at that moment and in that place, God made himself known. He was always there. He's never not there. You can't get away from him. Just turn quickly to Psalm 139. Verse 7, Psalm 139, verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. There's no escaping the presence of God. It is possible for you to be totally unaware of the presence of God. It is possible for us at any time to think we're truly alone. If God does not wish to be known, if God does not wish to be discovered, he is perfectly able to hide himself, as it were. He is perfectly able to be unknown. But at this place, at this time in Providence, God is making himself known to Jacob. So far, Jacob has been grasping and reaching. He's been plotting and he's been scheming. He's been trying to get things for himself. Well, he sleeps, he lays down in the open with a stone of the place under his head for a pillow and he dreams and God makes himself known in a dream. He dreams and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. God chooses at this moment to reveal himself to Jacob and he reveals, well, our scripture says it's a ladder. In the Septuagint, the word is a ladder. In the Hebrew, it's a ladder, it's stairways, it's a mound that a person must go up. That's the sort of word that we're looking at. He reveals to Jacob a ladder. He reveals to Jacob that earth and heaven are somehow connected. Earth and heaven are somehow connected. In John chapter 1 that we read earlier, Jesus said, I'm the connection. You'll see the angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Jesus said, I'm the connection. I'm the link between earth and heaven. This is the same Jesus who said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. This is the Jesus who said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is the Jesus who, referring back to this passage of Genesis, said the angels of God, they go up and they come down. The connection between heaven and earth is me, myself. Was Jacob aware of that? Well, not really. Jacob didn't have New Testament theology. He didn't have the New Testament scriptures to read. At this point in time, he didn't even have the Old Testament scriptures to read. But he has here the revelation of God. The angels of God were ascending and descending on it and behold, the Lord stood above it. You see what Jacob is being taught. God deals with humanity. God deals with the earth. God deals with the things that are happening. All of these things are happening through the work of God. We're told in the scripture that the angels are ministering spirits for the people of God. That according to God's will, the angels are doing God's work in the lives of God's people. And Jacob is being shown that God himself is the God of, in one instance, all providence. Remember, we spoke much about providence when we studied the deception of Isaac. God himself is the God of all providence. And that the purpose of life, as it were, was to get up this ladder or staircase to the very presence of God Himself. Ultimately, what is the purpose of our life? You know, it's, it's, it's not here. We're here serving God for the glory of God. We're here serving God because that is what He has commanded. Jesus is, after all, our King and our Lord. But ultimately, this here doesn't count for much. We're not taking things with us, we're not taking cars, houses, or money with us. We're being called to eternal life in the presence of God. Jacob beholds God standing at the head of this ladder. And God repeats the blessings that he had heard from the lips of Isaac. It's almost exactly the same as the blessings that God himself laid upon Abraham. God says, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. he got that blessing from Isaac through cheating. Isaac repeated the blessing again, this time deliberately and consciously in sending Jacob away, but he initially got that blessing through his works and through cheating. But now, basically, he's coming face to face with the God who actually has the power to make the blessing happen. Before this moment, he was always grasping. Always always trying to get hold of something by his own power. And now God says, you will get the blessing. You get it because I give it. Legitimate promises come from the mouth of God. Remember, both Esau and Jacob were obsessed with the idea of getting Isaac to say what they wanted Isaac to say. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a terrible feeling if you feel that anyone is manipulating you and trying to get you to say exactly what it is they want you to say. It's not enjoyable. Isaac, um, both, sorry, Jacob and Esau were desperate to manipulate Isaac into saying what they wanted to hear and what they wanted to hear was Isaac repeating the promises of Abraham and basically transferring them on to themselves. But now Jacob is given to understand that these blessings come from God. It is God who institutes the promises. It is God who has the power to see that these things will come to pass. It is God who gives Jacob the gift of, Of faith. It is God who sets about the work of transforming Jacob into his servant. The land on which you lie I will give to you and to your offspring. Your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth. Think of Jacob. Think of the line from which he comes. Abraham had only one legitimate son, his own father Isaac. Isaac had two sons. But his mother had only been pregnant once. They were twins and God elected or chose only one son. But now God says to Jacob, your offspring shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread abroad to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. So this young man, he's left the household of his mother and his father, where he was his mother's favourite. He's out in the countryside, more or less. And finally, he gets this blessing of God. I am with you. I will not leave you. I will accomplish all that I have promised you. This is the beginning of the changing of Jacob. Ultimately, Jacob is to become Israel whenever God calls his people Israel or Jacob, and he does so often in the prophets. Whenever God calls his people Israel or Jacob, he's calling them after this man. This man is to become um, an exemplar to the people of God. Is he changed at this moment? Well, we'll find as we read further on in the scriptures that no, he's not yet But it's begun. It's begun. God has revealed himself. God has spoken. God has given him promises. The very things that he longed for by his own power, God has now given to him by grace. Verse 16, then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. I like verse seventeen. And he was afraid. And he was afraid. People talk, you know, people talk about they had a vision of Jesus, they are in the throne room of heaven, God appeared to them and spoke to them, etc. 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 All of these um, sort of crazy things that you hear from time to time. Well, did you tremble? You know, did you end up flat on your face with fear? Because in the scriptures, even a holy angel evokes fear. The first thing that an angel ever has to say to a person whenever an angel speaks to a person is, fear not. Fear not, I come to you with good news, etc., etc. Fear not. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it and he was afraid. My friends, I'm telling you that in the Lord Jesus Christ, God loves us in and through Christ. He loves us. We have been made his children. There's no doubt about it. That is the fact. If you are in Christ, God is truly through Christ, your father. He is the elder brother. That's what he's described as being in Romans chapter eight. He's the elder brother that leads us into the presence of God, the father. But understand something. We fear our God because he is awesome. He is to be feared. He is almighty. He is all powerful. He is without sin. If if we think that we can come into the presence of God casually and not tremble, we're fools. We're fools. It's, it's a serious thing. And my friends, just remember this. We're sitting here under the word of God. We're here under the very word of God, whether we like it or not. When the scriptures speak, God speaks. Even now, this is a very serious thing. This is a very serious thing. This is this is not just some lightweight deal. You know, I'm doing this because it's the thing you're supposed to do. I'm doing this because I feel good afterwards. Well, it is the thing you're supposed to do. And I would hope that afterwards you do feel like you've had the blessing of God laid upon you. But I'm telling you, we are in the presence of God. When we hear the word of God, God demands that we respond to his word as his people and there is consequence to not responding as he expects. Remember, the scripture tells us those whom he loves, he disciplines. He doesn't discipline those who are not his children. He disciplines his own children. He makes us fit members of his own own household. Surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know it. He's kind of amazed. He's kind of amazed. I'm in the presence of God. How did I not know this? God is here in a special way. How did I not know this? How is it that I could lay on the ground here and fall into a deep sleep when I've come to the presence of God? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate of heaven. This is the way to heaven. So early in the morning, he took his stone. or I'm sorry, he took the stone that he had put under his head and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel, which um, I'll tell you means literally the house of God. But the name of the city was Luz at the first Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So how do we sum this up? you You could read this as though Jacob felt that he was now striking a bargain with God. Dear God, if you do ABC, I will do DEF. Dear God, can we come to some kind of agreement? You know, would would you shake hands on it? Can I ask you something? Those of us who are married, when when we exchanged our wedding vows, were we making a deal or were we submitting to something? We weren't really making a deal, were we? We were in the presence of God, and we were submitting to something. We were submitting to the way that God speaks of marriage in the Holy Scriptures—the one flesh, the one flesh relationship that God establishes. We were submitting to the will of God. We weren't um, making our vows in the hope that God would be doing a deal with us, and we weren't even making our vows to do a deal with the one that we were marrying. The vows that we exchange in marriage, husband and wife, is a man and a woman submitting to the will of God. And in submitting to the will of God, binding themselves to one another in a holy covenant. Jacob is, I'll put it this way, to the best of his ability and knowledge at that moment. Remembering he didn't have the scriptures, didn't have the New Testament in front of him. Didn't have what you might call modern theology. Jacob was submitting himself to God. He made a vow. If God will be with me and keep me in the way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear. Notice he's trusting that God will do these things. Let God be with me. Let God keep me. Let God give me. This is Jacob, the grasper, the one who grabs and takes. And now he's saying, I will have what God will give me. Let God give to me according to his word. Let God be with me. So that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God and this stone which I have set up for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. This is worship. I will return to God. I will give God a tenth of all that God has given to me. There's an obvious question arises. You're going to say, well, should Christians tithe? I don't think we should tithe as a rule or, I, or I'll put it another way. I don't think that churches should tell people that they must tithe and if they don't tithe, they're sinning against God. I don't think that the tithe can be enforced as some kind of strict rule. That would be some kind of legalism. If the apostles had intended to leave such an arrangement, surely they would have spoken of such a thing in the whole of the New Testament. And they didn't. They basically said, let each one give as he is able. By the same token, we know that Abraham gave a tenth to Melchizedek. And we know that here, Jacob swears or vows that in his service to God, he will give a tenth to God. And we know In in the Old Testament prophets, particularly Micah, God speaks of his requirement of his people to give him a tenth. I don't think it can be given to you as a hard and fast rule, but I would put it this way. If your conscience tells you that you should give something and if your conscience tells you to seek in the scripture a guide for what you should give, well, maybe you should consider a tenth and I'll leave it at that. I'm not giving you rules and I'm not telling you that you must give a certain amount. It's not permitted in the New Testament for me to bind someone's conscience where God has not spoken clearly. That would be a wrong act. But Jacob basically commits himself to giving to God all of his life. Now, I've got a question. How would this be done? (laughs) Think about this. He doesn't have a temple to go to. He He doesn't have a priesthood to hand it over to. How is he doing this? I don't know. You don't know either because the scripture doesn't tell us. Honestly, it's not that easy. Who would he give a tenth to if he was handing it over to someone? Yet that is his commitment. Of all that you give me, I will give a full tenth to you. So God takes this man, Jacob, and reveals himself to Jacob and basically reveals to Jacob that he is God, that he rules over Jacob's life and that he is going to make Jacob his servant in the world. It's no longer a matter of Jacob getting from God whatsoever he can by whatever means he can get it through manipulation, through cheating, through um, basically through Jacob being a Jacob. Jacob is going to be receiving from God that which God sees fit to give him. We're told in the scriptures that godliness with contentment is great gain. Jacob is also going to be transformed. He's going to be set at the head of a nation. Whenever we speak of Israel, well, we're speaking of Jacob. Jacob's life is going to be, in a way, prefiguring the life of the nation of Israel. Blessed, given the promised land, given promises, given salvation. Jacob is going to be transformed. He's going to be made a man of faith, a man of obedience. Jacob does not vow faithfulness to God and thereby make himself a believer. Remember, God has revealed himself to Jacob. This this, vow, this religious vow that Jacob makes is not a vow that earns Jacob salvation. God has already promised Jacob salvation. He's not saved by works. He's not striking a deal with God. He's a worshipper of God. He's resolving to do that which is right in the sight of God. And he's resolving to be satisfied with that which God gives him. My friends, not one of us knows God apart from God's self-revelation. Not one of us knows God apart from God making himself known to us. It's possible to know about God. And it's possible to know there is a God. But until God reveals himself to us, my friends, we're not being changed. We're not being made what we need to be. That's why I very rarely ask the question, do you believe? It's it's, it's almost pointless when you ask someone, do you believe these days? They usually will speak of knowing that there is a God. The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Just knowing that there is a God is not going to transform a person's life. They'll speak of believing that there is a God. Well, just believing that there is a God is not going to transform a person's life. It's the first little step. But actually knowing God and being known by God, actually having God reveal himself to us, to anyone, That is what is needed. And when a person through the gospel is brought to believe that Jesus is the son of God and that he was raised from the dead on the third day, well, that is God revealing himself to that person. God opening their eyes, opening their ears, opening their heart. God transforming them. It can be a long, so slow process that takes years and years, yet the change has begun. When we're praying for the salvation of sinners, we're praying that God will make himself known to them. We're praying that they will know God. We're praying for the revelation of God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Just turn to John chapter 1. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? How is it that you know who I am? How is it that you know what I'm like? How is it that you know my heart? How How do you know me? Jesus answered him before Philip called you when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, this is some kind of supernatural knowledge. And Nathaniel was obviously doing something fairly significant when he was under that fig tree. Perhaps he was praying. Perhaps he was considering the revelation that God gave of himself to Jacob. Nathaniel was there praying, contemplating, thinking of the scriptures. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Now, look at verse 49. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. That little bit, that, that one little bit of prophetic supernatural knowledge between that has that passed between Jesus and Nathanael draws from the heart of Nathaniel, a confession. You are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered him, because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. God revealed himself to Nathaniel in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Coming to Jesus for any person is the same experience that Jacob got when God revealed himself to Jacob in a dream, showing him the ladder from heaven to earth, showing him the connection of heaven to earth, showing to him the work of God's angels, showing to him that God himself rules over the earth. When people come to know the Lord Jesus because the Lord Jesus has made himself known to them, people are are being called into a lifetime relationship with God. And God is planting that seed within the heart, the word of God, the holy scriptures, that transforming seed that will and must produce its harvest. My friends, God reveals himself to his people primarily in and through the scriptures, primarily in and through the the, the understanding of the scriptures by the power of his Holy Spirit. Anyone can know there is a God. Anyone can believe there is a God, but my friends, to know God, God has to make himself known. It's God who reveals himself through Jesus Christ, his son. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. Verse 25, at that time, Jesus declared, Matthew eleven twenty-five. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father and no one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labour and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See what Jesus says concerning the knowledge of God. First of all, he thanks God, Lord of heaven and earth, that he hides these things from some, in this case, the wise, and think there that's being spoken with irony, the wise in their own eyes, those who think they're wise upon the face of the earth. And he reveals these things to little children. That would be those who are... Willing to receive the word of God for that which it really is. The very words of God. Yes, Father, for such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and anyone to whom the son chooses to reveal him. Think of it. No one knows the father except the son. And no And no one will come to know the father unless the son chooses to reveal him. My friends, if God has revealed himself to you, you are of all people blessed. You are amongst the people of the earth, the most blessed. The promise of God resides upon you. It resides within you. The power of God leads you forward in every day of your life and God will transform you and God will accomplish his purposes in your life. You have been called to salvation and it is an eternal calling. And every day, faith must be renewed. At every waking, faith must be renewed. It's a life of continually being convicted of sin, of repenting of sin and of growing in grace. Yet God is with us every step of the way. God has made himself known to us. For if he did not, we would not know him at all. So we go forward like Jacob from where we are. Where else can you start? But from where you are, we're being transformed. We're going to be made like the Lord Jesus himself. We are a blessed people. Let's close in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you have made yourself known through Jesus Christ our Lord and we praise you that you have given us the promises of salvation through the Holy Scripture. Our Father, we praise you that in Jesus we know you and that we are your children. And Father, we pray that we indeed would be empowered and enabled by your Holy Spirit to preach the good word wherever we go. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.